0: Wilford sets off upfield, he wants a speedster to run onto it, he might be the quickest, oh he kicks, he kicks ahead, and now Corey Oates will come, oh Oates with the one-handed pickup. up, how about that? Asako in behind them, he's confused, he didn't know whether to kick or
1: whether to run, he takes the option. option! Jemaine Asako will score!
0: Hello Broncos fans, and welcome to the round eighteen review episode of Broncos Weekly. As always, I'm Mitch, and I'm joined on the line by our good friend Simo. How are you going, Simo?
1: Yeah, a little bit cold up here. About yourself?
0: Cold? What is it, mate? Like eleven degrees or something? Is that cold, or is
1: it? Um, actually, it's probably probably warmer than that. But yeah. I got long sleeves on. I got the hoodie on.
0: <laughs> it hit. Um, it was like six degrees on Wednesday here, or something. And occasionally Twenty degrees. Sunk. Oh wow, chilly up there, mate. <laughs> Yeah, like Wednesday or something, like 6 degrees here in the morning, and um, usually it's like, it's cold in the morning where I live, yeah, and then I, you know, I go to work or whatever, and, it, and it's fine. No, nope, just decided to stay 6 degrees for, till like 9am, <laughs> fucking freezing, but yeah, 20, mate, I know you're, you're struggling.
1: Yeah, well, I had, um actually, doing night shift last week, it yeah. actually did get, like, legitimately cold. It was down to like, twos and threes, I think, some mornings. And you, just, you know how like working days is when it's hot, like the hottest part is the middle of the day, and then it gets cooler in the afternoon. So you like you got that to look forward to. But working nights, it just gets colder and colder until five thirty in the morning when the sun comes up. So yeah, it's like you get cold like midnight, and you just know it's just going to get colder.
0: Yeah, well, it's one of those things like you know we're not we're not a typically cold country, but you know I've got I've got a missus who, as you probably all know, she grew up in Russia and lives in, in Beijing and China now, and they both get to below zero. But she's never been colder than when she's been in Australia. Because we aren't ready for the cold.
1: <laughs> yeah. We, like, like no one's got good heaters, none, none of that. It's just, yeah, you just have yeah. to deal with it.
0: Yeah, it's like I was in Beijing over Christmas there, and that was like, you know, peak winter, and it was getting down to negative 10 or whatever. It's snowing, all that kind of stuff. But, like, not only do you have the, the appropriate clothing for it, you know, you've got winter clothes, you, know, you actually have a winter jacket and gloves and whatever. But, as you said, every, everywhere you go is heated everywhere is ready for it whereas in australia like if even air con most people have aircon are lucky enough just to have it in one room you know so it's still yeah. the rest of the house is freezing but in, in beijing it's like the government pays for central heating so everyone has heating for free <laughs> like,
1: yeah we uh we got reverse cycle air conditioners so yeah. that was definitely a smart move because mm. not that we even use the heat that often but a couple times you put it on and it's definitely worth it
0: yeah whereas living here like i've um I'm living like, I used to live near the city and I'm living further up north now, like an hour up north. And it's it's far more like moist and cold. And like, I, it was getting so cold here the, the other week, I put a thermometer in my bedroom overnight and it hit nine degrees in my, in my room. I'm like, this is ridiculous.
1: <laughs> we have mum and dad, this is like way off topic, but yeah. mum and dad, we, they got a property like a little bit out of town, 25 acres, so like, you know, big enough to have some animals and stuff, but it's not a huge farm or anything. Yeah, And um, in the main living room is like a big lounge room kitchen dining room and a, like another kind of area is all just one big room um which is like it's great if you've got heaps of people around which our family does and um yeah. but they, they, there's a huge fireplace like in the middle of that which is you like you put that on in winter and it's just so warm
0: yeah that's it well like, yeah, yeah i'm all about a fireplace but like even even the ones in australia mate like when i lived in the inner west i lived in three houses that had fireplaces that had been concrete, concreted over, you know. So there's the hole where it was. <laughs> it it's like we need those. It's cold here. Anyway, let, let, let's get on to the, the Broncos podcast. Um, how about this, mate? Mate, this is regularly regularly scheduled programming. It's just two Sundays in a row.
1: <laughs> We're uh, back. It's quite quite the treat for the listeners. It is a
0: treat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll jump straight into the review of uh of Thursday night's game. So anyway, the Broncos twenty eight, the Kenner bankstown Bulldogs six. Uh, tries to well a double to Tony Staggs on his preferred side, a double to Corey Oates and one to Jermaine Asako, his first of the year. Uh, we had what was it one from five conversions? <laughs> three from three penalty goals. Yeah, something. And like and that. the only conversion was the one McCulloch kicked. So, you know, that was a that was a good effort off the boot for young Stags. And then over on the other side, uh, Brandon Wakeham scored that one try and Nick Meaney kicked a penalty goal for them in um and probably the first time I was comfortable to win pretty much the entire season. I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's not been a good season for comfortable comfortable second halves.
0: Yeah, it was like maybe what what Tom was I comfortable in this game. Oh, uh, maybe pro- probably when Oates scored, I'm pretty comfortable when Asako scored before half time, But Oates scored at you know ten minutes into the second half, and I was like, oh, okay, this is over. Which is the, that's the first time I felt that all season. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh... It's nice for a change. I just... I mean, there's a fair bit of stuff to talk about, but... Yeah. I don't know. Most might as well start here. That penalty try. I reckon that is probably one of the first I've seen that I'm just... I'm surprised the ref just didn't give a penalty try just on the field, like, without going up to the bunker. It seems like the most nailed-on penalty try I've seen.
0: Yeah, and, and it's 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 good that the league community is starting to understand what the rule of the book is, because, except like... fatty, Fatty. Yeah, except Fatty. But even that he, like... <laughs> I've been told it is his opinion on the call he's saying. He's pretty angry about it.
1: But he got told in Origin as well. Like, yeah. I he know. gets told every week what a penalty try is. And then the next week it's like 100%. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I know. But that's it. I'm happy. Like, a penalty try should only have to be like 50%, really, because it's not a, It's supposed to award the attacking team. It's like everything else. that like, you know, when you go up to the bunker, you try to award the attacking team. You know, if they went on field try, whatever, whatever. But except for penalty tries, people think.
1: But still, yeah, like. So it's a good call. Well, because I, I was chatting to my brother about it, and he said, oh, you know... And I saw a lot of people said similar, is that Corey Oates might have dropped it, you know, like bending over to pick a ball up. And it's like, well, by committing a penalty, you're taking away that opportunity for Oates to do that. Like, you should never benefit by committing a penalty.
0: Yeah, it's not the fact you've taken away the try. You nailed it to say with the wording there. You took away the opportunity to score a try.
1: And that's that's, that's what. try. That's what um, it is in soccer, like, for penalties. Like, if you take away... A goal-scoring opportunity, then they get a penalty, like which is most often that's converted into a goal.
0: Yeah, and that's the same thing in rugby union. That's one of the very few things rugby union has right is how it rules on penalty tries. Like, you know, you collapse a ruck when it's a uh, rolling ball when it's going over the goal line. You collapse a rolling more penalty try.
1: I would be like, I'd be happy if there's just a lot more penalty tries given. Like, I just think you can be at a point where. Like if you give more of them, people aren't going to get upset at the ones that do get given because they're more rare. Um, yeah. Like I, this is probably too far for a lot of people, but I would be like, if you are offside and you make a tackle that saves a try, that's a penalty try for me. Like you shouldn't have made that tackle. You shouldn't be there. Like so, if you weren't there, it's like in touch never footy say where touch, yeah, yeah, where like you run through and they make the touch on you. Obviously, it's touch because it's not contact. They're not actually stopping you, but um. Yeah, you just run through, and the the ref just calls play on, and you run through and score. Uh, it's yep. obviously a bit different because they're not <laughs> they putting you on put the ground. On the ground. <laughs> yeah, um, but I like I wouldn't be, <laughs> me. I wouldn't mind if it was more like that with penalty tries.
0: Yeah, and, and you make a fair point there because you know, as we know, players and teams deliberately foul now more than ever in that regard to stop point scoring. They deliberately foul, so yeah. I mean, and in this one, before DWs before the ref even sent him upstairs, D W Z already like making excuses. He's like, yeah. I tackled him before he kicked it. It's like, and <laughs> either way, like, <laughs> he didn't have possession.
1: <laughs> just like before he could even kick the ball, I just took him out, before, like from picking up the ball. Like, yeah, good on you. Like, he was trying to make it uh, sound
0: like he, you know, Oates had possession and he tackled him, then Oates kicked it. It's like, mate, Oates never had the ball. <laughs> it doesn't matter when you tackled him.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, and, I just. Uh, Thought it was yeah pretty straightforward that it, one
0: it was and with like by all rights you know with the the form Oates is in with his hands at the Broncos if they just let him go through he probably does drop it <laughs> but yeah but that's
1: that, that's what you get for you know <laughs> yeah. for, for taking the player out you're you're not giving them the chance to just drop it
0: yeah hundred percent hundred percent so that, let's go to the the my favorite talking point of this game is that it took us there's a few but it took us all season we finally realised Katoni Stags play is a better right centre that's a real shock. <laughs>
1: Uh, you mean that a right center plays better on the right side? Yeah, it's like we spoke
0: about this earlier in the season when they brought in Shibasaki, and I questioned on here like Shibasaki was best at left center when he was playing all the way through juniors. Katoni Stags better at right center. They carry it like I know there's lots of centers who can play both sides, but Stag- Stags carries the ball in one hand and his right hand fends with just his left hand. Why is he on the left hand side? And like you might remember some of the runs on the left-hand side. He was like, someone will be coming across to his right, and he's be putting his left hand over to try and fend them. And it's like, mate, you can't do that. <laughs> but but that's it. He goes back to the right, and he has, you know obviously, his best game of the season and probably the best game of his career since his debut, which was um, the game against the Roosters where he came on for Opaček, I think. And uh, fed off that Pangai offload for a try, but yeah, he was great. Goal kicking left a lot to be desired, which felt very familiar as a Brisbane fan. But um, but he was he was great back on the right side, so he's hoping that's a permanent switch.
1: Yeah, just you know, you are happy to have these shockers at goal kicking when they don't cost the team? Because yeah, yeah, usually he's pretty good. I'd still be making a Sarko kick, Same. but I don't. Yeah, that's just me.
0: Yeah, and the other weird thing about Stag staying on the left is like, so we let Roberts go. So, what would mean next year is, like, if Bird came back, Bird plays left-centre, Stags plays right-centre, right? Shibasaki plays left-centre. It just didn't make any sense that he was playing on the left.
1: <laughs> yeah, there was, like... It's not like you were wanting to make him better at playing on the left because when Bird came back, he would play on the right. Like, he, there wasn't... Yeah, there's was no reason to play him over on the left. Yeah. I don't get it.
0: Yeah, and he set Sako up for one try and potentially another. And I love Jermaine Sako, but he is... He is one of the worst finishing wingers in the competition. He's great at many other things. But even the try he did score, it's like he made it look hard. Hey, it's like instead of pinning his ear back for the corner, he still cuts back in to beat players. And it's like, as a modern winger, you've got to be going for that corner. But he just hasn't got that in his game, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, you wonder if like it's something that they can develop. Surely you just be like, mate, you're not slow. Just go for the corner. Just just all Tuesday, just practice these dives.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, you know, Brian Tuo at Penrith kind of overdoes it. He dives almost every try. (laughs) Like, it's ridiculous. It's quite funny. The ball's on the ground. He dove in the air to put his hand down on the ball on the ground.
1: (laughs) Jumped, somersault, front flip, and then then grounds the ball. But
0: the happy medium's in the middle there. You know, it's like, pin your
1: ears back for the the corner.
0: Yeah, and then pin your ears back for the corner, and then ball out in left hand, reach out for it kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, hopefully get there. I'm glad he got off the duck, because that was an embarrassing duck for the... (laughs)
1: Especially when, like, obviously, yeah, yeah, Corey Oates is a really good winger, but you've got him on one wing on zero, and then Oates on the other wing on, like, 38 tries. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's been a weird year for our backs. Like, they're not really scoring tries, because they're not, well, again, we don't really pass the ball to them almost ever. <laughs> but, 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 you know, like, this year, now Oates has got 12, but Gillette's still the second top try scorer, equal with James Roberts on four. It's <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> and then uh-huh. Haas and to have three. It's like, yeah, it's not really um, a strike back line. But um, Stags has now moved up to four, so now after the game. But but yeah, anyway. Um, also, the other thing, big thing as well, obviously, is just like how good our young forwards are again. I mean, we finally got to see... This is the kind of, like, the line-up in the forwards that the, the fans have been screaming for for ages. Is seeing Lodge and Haas up front. Fafida on the left edge Pango on the right edge Flegler at lock and it just steamrolled the dogs absolutely smashed them
1: yeah I I watched this game I watched most of the second half live because I was on night shift but I got came home for dinner and saw that but I watched most of this on delay so you know you're already aware of what what's going to happen but yeah you just would never really yeah he's always going to go one way with that forward pack
0: yeah it's one of those things it's like we can't change from this like we just can't like, and I'm fully expecting we next will. week to be a Glen 11, Gillett 12. But it's like, how can you watch how Fafita played, how Pangai played, and how much we dominated, and then change from that? Like Fafita, like he's starting. Like I love, I love how he carries the ball, man. He has the ball in two hands like the whole time he runs. Does his goose step before the line? Bit of late footwork, breaks tackles, whatever. Every time he got the ball, it looked like he might have cracked the line. As opposed to Alex Glenn, who might run the world's greatest line ever, but it doesn't matter, because if a half touches his foot, he falls over. <laughs>
1: like, uh, it's just, just, yeah, I mean, it's just night and day, the difference between these two.
0: Yeah, it's like, feet had the ball sometimes there, when he got the ball, he just started like dancing, beat one guy, running like on a diagonal line, and it's like, oh my god, he's got to score. He thought a few times, and he got pretty he got stopped, like a metre short, two or three occasions. It's just a damaging ball runner, and his defence is fine too. Like, he's he's not great defensively yet, but that's the things that'll come, and this team has defensive issues anyway. I'd rather score some bloody points.
1: Yeah, like, our attack this year's been ordinary. You, you take anything to. <laughs> yeah. You know, and he's he's young too. Like, he'll get better at defending like uh-huh. by playing there. So. 100%. Just, just give us someone that can offload and then just tell tell people not not Pangai to be backing those up. Like, get some other players to actually back those up instead of Pangai.
0: Now, that was a funny thing at the start of the game. <laughs> Pangai running infield to support two offloads because no one else
1: would. He, just, he, he knows the pain. Yeah. He understands. He's like, no one's there supporting my offloads. I'm going to support other people.
0: Yeah, exactly right. And then, yeah, talking about Pangai on the other edge, I mean, we, tw- we put this uh, tweet out on uh, Facebook. Sorry, Twitter and Facebook about uh, our record with him on the edge. And I know sometimes these records are pretty coincidental, but it's like at this point now, Pangai started fourteen games on the edge for us. We won eleven of those games, lost two and drawn one, and he's pretty much fifty percent everywhere else he plays. We have three and three when he starts at prop, five and six when he starts at lock, and twenty-one and seventeen when he comes to the bench. Like it's huge. It's like a ninety percent win rate when he plays lock. Sorry, edge.
1: <laughs> yeah I mean like i I never normally read too much into these because you just like
0: the coincidental usually,
1: yeah, like we we've had the one with oats, like when Oats is out, yeah, um, our win rate, but then it's also like well, a lot of the games he's out for is for origin, yeah, and we have a lot of other players out at the same time, but like uh yeah, I mean, he's played for the Broncos for a while now, and all those other ones, like you said, are fifty fifty ish um. Like, he's best off the bench apart from, like, the second row. Like, his other position is the bench, and he comes on. And, like, you can see how that happens because, you know, when you're getting the second string from the other guys in the middle, from the other team, you know, he can come on and bash up some people, which we always like. But, yeah, just that his, that percentage from second row. And you just see, like, he's just making people look like fools when he's out there, just running over people.
0: Yeah, it's 100%. It's like, it's also, he's like fresher. He has to work less in defense. And like, as the game rolled on. he's ru- He carries at the start of the game without damaging. As the game rolled on, though. You could see him coming off the back, excuse me, the back fence of some of his hit-ups, eh? He was just like, r- he didn't line hard. And then he's got like three little blokes hanging off of him. And it's like, he's one of the offloads he got away for, uh, for that Sigiaro kicks we didn't score off. He was like, just standing there for like five seconds waiting for anybody to turn up. Like, I've got this ball here if someone wants it, <laughs> you know? He just got his arm free the whole time.
1: Yeah, it's just it. Generally, looks like an adult versing like some like twelve-year-old kids. They they just can't tackle him, and he can offload any time he wants. Like, yeah,
0: yeah. and then speaking of him on the edge, so you talk about like, this year, he's obviously he's only played the edge three games with one, two, and drawn one. But last year, it's like round ten, he played lock. We got towered by Manly. Round eleven, he played on the edge. We beat the Roosters. You know, <laughs> round twelve, we beat Parramatta. Then round 14, he goes back to the bench, and we lose... It's Melbourne, whatever. We lose to Melbourne. And then... Yeah, uh, you're always going to lose yeah, that. I think that's a game when... Uh, when... Uh, Sewer got injured. And then we won the next five on the trot. With um, Pangai back on the edge. <laughs> and he's pretty much... his only lost his the rest, playing the second row last year. we like... We lost that bad game to the Bulldogs. Lost to Melbourne. And then he went back to the bench against the Cowboys. He lost that game. What a shock. And then he came back in. We won all the games in a row till the final again. Like... And it's not—it's uh, just because that matches up with what I think the impact he has on the game on the edge. I honestly think he's a match winner for us when he plays on the edge because, like, big effective play the balls on the edge change the games a lot more than in the middle because it really messes up one side's full defense. If you suck in the center, the half, and the second rower, you've t- changed their entire defensive structure. Like for the play the ball yeah. after, and for what you're doing, and it's just like every time he carries the ball. He's indenting that line, looking for an offload. And then when he's on the edge as well now, he's, he, his defense isn't perfect, but you'll see he has this energy that, you know, 20 minutes ago, he's screaming down, kick chasing, running at, um, who was he running at? Not Remus Smith, uh, uh, Nick Meaney, and just murdering him for no reason. <laughs> it's like, But that's it. Like He has the energy. He just had all these ways to impact games from there. And it's like, I don't know how we can go from that to just bringing Matt Gillett back next week and be like, what? <laughs> like? who's yeah, like what's going to happen. Yeah, makes 45 tackles but you know, doesn't really do anything with the ball in hand, you know, gets taken one on one quite often, has literally bombed tries this year when he's been put through a hole because his hands didn't move. <laughs> Two times the ball has hit him in the body. Like yeah, I don't know how we can go back to that but we're going to.
1: Is there somewhere like 5-8 we can just put Gillette and just like <laughs> keep him out of the way? Yeah, because that seems to be working alright at the moment. Yeah, oh, boy. we'll
0: put Gillette at half back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like our two like left, right out positions, six and seven, and just the rest of the team plays around them.
0: Yeah, and I know I'm generally against. Like, I know I, I knock our own fan base for this, trying to like always move players on for the next ones. But like Glenn and Gillett for for Pangai for Theo is just like beyond obvious.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree with you. a lot of times people do that, but I think a lot of the times that happens, the next ones are like. 17- and 18-year-old kids Oh mate, that it's- aren't, whereas, I mean, Pangai is established first grader, like, amazing, and yeah. Fafita is also not like a regular 19-year-old. He's played Origin. <laughs> well, yeah, like, he's, he's really good for, like, his age, what he can do. It's yeah. not like an 18-year-old kid that's, like, you played Panthers, New South Wales Cup side and, you know, looks good, but, you know, hasn't really... Done much the NRL
0: exactly as you said. These are established first graders. Like the ones I think are bad examples is like we had fans screaming to get rid of Roberts just because, and then they were already screaming to get rid of Stags. It's like what? <laughs> Who's gonna play for Stags? They're like oh, he's not that good anyway. It's like mate, what you were just you're calling out for Stags like a week, five weeks ago Broncos fans are saying Stags is better than Roberts, and then like this weekend before the game, I don't know if you saw, but heaps of people were tweeting like oh he's not that good anyway, he can go, what? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think people just flip flop a lot.
0: They do, and it's like Stags hasn't had a great season, but he's young and will learn. But yeah, Pangai and Fafita are just so ready, and anytime they're on the field, we look we're a better side. And like, you know, and that's just it. Yeah, it's just like if you if you wanted me to, if you ask me if we could keep this team like Fafita Edge, Pangai Edge, Segarra off the bench, you know, Lodge and half starting, could we make a? Are we worthy of a, of the finals? I'd say yes, but I don't think that team's going to stay the same.
1: What we need to do is go through all the players and figure out their highest win percentage in what position. So, like, Seguiaro has got, what, four wins and a draw?
0: Yeah, he hasn't lost yet, coming off the bench for us.
1: Yeah, so he's coming off the bench. Um, Turpin at half-back, what's he got? Is it a win, I think a draw? It, I,
0: think it, I think he's won them all, hasn't he? Oh, no, why, we, that bloody draw.
1: The, yeah, but a draw's not bad. <laughs> yeah,
0: no. Like He is, yeah one win, one draw, but he played 5-8 for a win as well.
1: Okay, so yeah, he can stay in the halves, like that's good. Um, (laughs) That's 100% not losing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, like, yeah, we can figure out this, obviously Pengai then is playing, playing second row, Fafita's playing second row. Um, Milford at fullback, yeah, that's that's some good percentages for us there too. Yeah,
0: but I mean that Sigaro one also has some relevance to me too, right? Like the Turpin one, I don't really have any relevance to it, but like the Cicchiaro one has on some to me because again that matches up with what we all think when he comes on the field, we're better, and when he's playing half an hour and finishing games, there's no shock we always look better when he's on the field.
1: I don't think that has much to do with him. I think that has more to do with if it, when he's on the field, McCulloch's not on the field. <laughs> like, yeah, Segura hasn't been the standout, but he ha- he's been better than McCulloch. <laughs> yeah, like I just think you put like a league average hooker in that off the bench replacing McCulloch. Like, well, to me, McCulloch is lower than a league average hooker. So you yeah. put a league average hooker in, and you're improving that position. And I just think that's all that's really happened there. Like, I like Seguerra, but I don't he's not, like, come on and look like the world's best hooker ever. No, either. he
0: hasn't. Just seen just quick service, that's all. But, yeah, you mentioned with McCulloch, like, I haven't finished yet, but I was running some numbers this week, and I'm trying to, like, for end of season reports, do some stuff about, like, you know, t- t- what's different about hookers rather than just, like, tackles like Smith does or whatever. But, like, one of the things we look at is, like, I'm looking at now, is, like, firstly, how often they get involved, not at dummy half. So, you know, how they impact in the game, you know, supporting or if they're touching the ball first receiver or whatever, whatever. And McCulloch is last in the league at that. And then the other one I looked at was like, how often when they carry the ball out of a dummy half, how often are they like, you know what are they doing? what are their options? And so you look at it and so if, when, he, when, when Damian Cook grabs the ball out of dummy half and runs, he only gets tackled like 30 odd percent of the time. He's creating, right? And can is the same. It's about 30 or 40 percent of the time. McCulloch gets, gets tackled at like, it was a 94 percent of his runs. He just takes a hit up. <laughs> That's it.
1: Uh, what if mate, if your end of season reports aren't just like two hundred and eight pages of Sack Boyd and Matter, like what are you even doing? What have you got that job for? Exactly. And on on the other side of that coin you better send a report to the Warriors that is like look how good this hooker is, I'll, guys. I'll change
0: their report to show how good McCulloch's like effective contact is and whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> But like if You're not abusing your power. <laughs>
0: but like his number was so high, I'm like, have I put this in wrong? Like it's like, what do you mean? Like pretty much every time by like twice this year he's run, he's just got tackled, you're saying. <laughs> that looks at I'm like, oh wow, that's it's, true.
1: It's more of a slow jog. Too. It is. It's not a run. It's like he's not speedy.
0: But that's why he's so he's so easy when he's on the field to defend us, because like it's so easy to know what he's doing. It's that he's either passing the ball to a forward or when he runs, he's just taking a hit up. He's just taking ten meters. He's like, he's not coming out of dummy half and looking dynamic or you know creating anything. That's why he's so boring. And that and that is the difference between him and like even average guys like Siciliano, right? Like, yes, yeah, sure, he hasn't had he has he's been pretty good for us, but he hasn't been amazing. But a lot, it's just because when he's at dummy half, different things happen. Like even when he missed that field goal, he did something that McCulloch would never have done. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, he he came on this for the game and it was one, but Sigiaro, yeah, much more of an improve on a (laughs) Mac-up. That
1: has to be, like, in tip sheets from other teams, right? They would just know, like, when McCulloch's on, we don't have to defend. Like, it's just going to a forward.
0: Yeah, and the thing is, again, I know this four-pack's amazing when McCulloch's on, it still is, but again, there's no coincidence when Sigiaro comes on. Not only are they fit as well, but, like, they start rolling over teams. But like, like um, Segiara played like the last thirty out of this game, and they were just, we were just murdering the Bulldogs pack at the end of that game. I mean, Payne Haas, we've said it so many times, we'll say it again. Best young forward I've ever seen, murdered them in this game again. But you know, Lodge kept rolling big, so did Pangai, and even Carrigan had another solid game for him. And just like sigiaro's quicker service and a bit of variety allows it allows us more, more time for our forwards. They don't get met at the you know in their face like they do on McCulloch's on the field. Yeah, yeah. I have. I found it really funny. There was one set early in the game where McCulloch actually fed our backs, and we didn't know what to do with the ball. <laughs> like, uh, like Milford did about seventeen steps and did his pirouette. <laughs> it's like, oh man, I got the ball. Oh, yeah. This is great. I, I got re- the ball.
1: <laughs> I remember the um, who was the bloke playing fullback? It with with Tenny's or act. Yeah, and I remember the comments were going on about how he, Milford ran around him three times because yeah. he's like Milford didn't know where he was going. He just kept stepping and running. Is, uh,
0: yeah, and uh, Milford at fullback, though, I do love his... Um, this game obviously got concussed, so he didn't have... Well, not concussed, he went off for a head injury assessment. And he didn't have nah, his... it's just a cork. Yeah, <laughs> just a brain cork. <laughs> 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 but uh, him running back to, running back kicks, holding the ball in one hand at his size is great. Because the ball's about the size of his head, like his body. <laughs> He's holding it in one yeah. hand, I love it.
1: <laughs> it's It uh, makes you a bit nervous, but... It does. I'm, yeah, I'm it's here worked for. so far. It has worked so um, far. Just quickly before we go off bad hookers, yeah. um Michael Leesha is like might be the only hooker worse than Oh McCulloch. my god, he is.
0: <laughs> Michael Leesha right. he is like on his fifty seventh chance. How he played a hundred games, I don't know, but yet he was disgusting in this game.
1: Yeah, I mean he's not our problem, so we don't have to talk about him forever, but how he got picked over Damian Cook at the Bulldogs is just a laugh.
0: It is. And it's like He's one of those guys, even some of my, my friends who, who I rate their league knowledge, every year, you know, have those two or three good games the end of a year and they'll re-sign him. And it's been two years that I even had mates telling me again this pre-season that Lycia's going to break out. I'm like, guys, no, it's not happening. The Lycia breakout isn't happening. He's had all the run in the world. He was in a better... It was a good bro, Bulldogs side when he first got there. He has never been good. And, like, the two good games he has a year, it doesn't make, make up for it. And in this game, like, that pass where he hit was a Glen? He hit, like, yeah, where, was in he, the back. where was he throwing it? It was, like, a metre or two behind the guy who ran the, the line. And then and it was, no
1: one else was near. Yeah, and it
0: was, like, two, three metres in front of his support players. And it was such a bad pass that Glenn didn't have his hands in the air. <laughs> he
1: He's the Blake Bortles of, like, NRL hookers because he just only shows up in garbage time. Yeah. Like, and that's just, like, garbage time of the season. He shows up, plays a couple of good games and gets, gets a go next year.
0: He was so bad in this. He's an absolute handbrake on them. But um but yeah it was funny seeing um us steamroll this pack after they absolutely smashed the knights pack last week. That all representative pack mate. <laughs> 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 really
1: oh, nice. how good is it that the knights are just falling apart, man. I just it's making me giddy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, back on that Gillette stuff though, by the way, does it just, just scream like poor Green, if we can get rid of him, he'll take him. <laughs> like for Gavin Cooper's spot up there. I
1: mean, Paul Green would probably take a lot of bad deals. Yeah,
0: a lot, a lot of senior players on bad deals. Like, my, like, my, like, I like Moose still because of what he does for Queensland. Because he's just, it makes no sense he's so good in origin because he's under the skin and whatever. But he was so bad last night again. Like, you look at his numbers, you think he's good. But all the tries I can say to later in the game was like Josh Maguire missed a tackle in the middle of the field. Like he was doing for us last year around the ruck. And it was one of those games I'm like, I am glad you are not our problem anymore. You're one of the very few we got off of. And I'm glad you're not our problem.
1: Yeah, I just watching Jimmy run straight through him was was beautiful.
0: It was well. Jimmy's not good though. I heard that. <laughs> I heard he's useless.
1: Oh, he did drop the ball in that one tackle, but yeah, you know, like all the other things he did.
0: Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no. It's like he uh, set Gaga up, who bombed one. He set up that Cam Murray try at the end, and then he did. Stri- he did strip that ball, and he did drop it off drinking water. But again, he stripped the ball for fullback in the end goal. How often does that happen? Almost never. <laughs> he's not good though, mate.
1: Um. There was something else I had to—I was going to mention, but I can't remember now. Uh,
0: let's talk about Darius Boyd.
1: Um, yeah, well, like what I said before, I like that he, we can just put the six jersey on him and tell him not to do anything. But the sweet play works, so, you know, that's nice. Yeah, we, we ran
0: it for the first time in, like, for like six weeks, and then it was almost like, oh, wow, when you don't run it every time you have the ball, <laughs> it might actually fool uh, someone. Uh,
1: but, uh, yeah, I just... There was so much room out there. Too. I just... I was shocked that we even ran it. I mean... Yeah. I'm sure it was It was always going to come back eventually, but it'd be nice to not see it all the time. But then, yeah, Corey, oh, is well done, mate.
0: Yeah, my biggest fear now, though, is already Boyd's talking about it this week. Like, oh, I'm, I'm enjoying it. If it feels good, it's easy. I might play on a few more years. It's like, oh, no. Have we have we trapped ourselves in him playing for the next two seasons?
1: Like, oh, you know how a lot of times you say, like, oh, you know, how does, like, the coach and whatever not see this stuff? And, like... I just I just can't believe that someone like Seibold would be dumb enough to like like fair enough if you can't get out of his deal, like you yeah. You know, you might keep him around, whatever, but I just can't believe that they're dumb enough to have had somebody play for him this year like he has and then re sign him in like in two years time. Yeah. Sign him to like two more years after that. Like yeah. I just don't I oh, yeah. think anybody is that stupid. Oh
0: yeah, Boyd's not like getting his like oh five or six more years he's talking about now, that's for sure. But um but isn't it funny though, he was so bad at fullback and he's only been like he's just mediocre at five eight, probably below mediocre still. But because of the change between the two, people now think he's good. <laughs> it's great, like he's like a real five eight. You know, you know, play makes kicks, steers the team around, gets involved or whatever. Like remember the bar that was set for Milford for having a good game? It was so high, yeah. and the bar set for Darius Boyd now is like, don't cost us the game, and you played well. And people are now saying like people are like, oh he's having great at five eight. Like, he doesn't do anything. He just takes dummy half runs and right. makes tackles.
1: He only he only looking okay because Milford's doing five eighths of his job for him as well. Exactly.
0: Like, and I mean I'm not minding it because again it actually has got him out of the way and he's defending okay in the line. It's fair enough, but he's not doing any five eight work. Like it's not a permanent solution. But yeah, like wait till he play like, you know, he can't go play, say, the storm or something. And go in there with a full-back at six, a, a, a hooker at, at seven, and then ask Milford to do seven men's jobs. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, remember that kick Darius put through for Oates is like that's just going to be like Darius now is going to be convinced he's got the NRL's best kicking game.
0: Yeah. Well, the most surprising thing about that try of all though Dari- uh, for, for Darius there is the fact that a Broncos player chased a kick. That shocked me because we <laughs> yeah. haven't been doing that all year.
1: Hey, uh, you got to try these things every now and then. Yeah,
0: and the least surprising thing was again it was the only person chasing the kick. No one else chased it. But yeah, just, just
1: one chaser. <laughs> just one
0: chaser. It was like one of those things. If he didn't get his total, if they picked it up, they probably had like a free thirty meters because the rest of our yeah, team was chilling. He got
1: he got two there, so you just do a draw and pass. Like you just pick it up, pass it to the other bloke who's free. Like yeah. that's uh... it.
0: But that's it. Like I do feel like I don't. Like, as I said, I want the club to not make the finals for, for how it hurts. But they're not gonna. Like I'm not gonna be angry at finals football, but. I do feel like if we make the finals it's going to rely on if we go back to playing Glenn and Gillett at the, in the back row and, you know, we then we end up putting... like We just that rely on that and, and how Boyd keeps going at six. I really think that's it because, like, we already know that the, the pack rolls teams but it doesn't really do anything when you have, like, Glenn and Gillett as the guys on the edge because that's about as far as McCulloch will ever pass the ball <laughs> to the edge back row. And then, um, like... Yeah, I feel feel like that if we change that back, that's gonna that's what's gonna kill our finals run.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's just it makes a huge difference.
0: It does, but at least it's you get to now over. see like, you know, it's kind of one of those things that you know Haas, Lodge, Pangai, and Fafita actually do live up to their reputation. You know, so often we get young Broncos players come through, like Jaden Sil is a great example, and if you know. Next big thing, best at every. You know he's gonna be, he's gonna be the next Sonny Bill Williams or the next Gordy Talos or whatever, and they turn out to what he is, and then you get to see actually Pangai Lodge and Haas every bit of what they're made up to be. And so Sophia, it's, yeah. it's good. Good old Sewell by the way. Thirty minutes last night, two runs. Good to see him working his ass off at <laughs> South.
1: Yep, definitely, definitely glad we should have kept him.
0: Yeah, and I and I, and I do I don't want to spend my time talking about off season innuendo. But I do think, like, if we, if we somehow found a way to keep Pangai on the edge, Peter on the edge, I do think there's a spot in our team for an experienced 13. I don't know who it is, but I'd love a forward leader in the 13 if that's how we... If, you know, in that imaginary world, we kept that together. That's the whole I, mean, I see in our pack.
1: We already have Sean Fenton, so...
0: <laughs> One we'd actually play, like...
1: Yeah. Oh, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> an experienced... Forward leader that is nineteen years old. because yes. they're the only ones that we're allowed to play in our team. Apparently, yeah.
0: Let's get John Bateman.
1: <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say no. Yeah. <laughs> Campo might kill you, but yeah.
0: I mean, I don't know who that is. I talk about the thirteen. I don't know who that thirteen is. That's part of the problem. But I'd love to see that if, that, if that's how we went forward. Although I, like, I know the reality is, Gillet's probably here next year. And...
1: Paul Gallon. Poor Let's guy.
0: yeah. And Glenn hasn't got his deal yet, and he's kinda of, he's been begging for it publicly essentially, and I don't think he will get one, but I still wouldn't be shocked if he got another one year deal, so uh,
1: I think if it gets to the stage where he's begging for it publicly, I don't think it's gonna happen.
0: Yeah, it doesn't look that likely. But uh and yeah, Turpin hasn't re signed yet and but apparently Seabock is saying it's looking good. I don't understand why someone else hasn't stolen him yet though.
1: Yeah, you, there hasn't even been any like talk of that.
0: No, it took much less for people to steal Granville and Matt Parcell, like one game, and they got nicked. <laughs> you know, but but uh, Turpin's looked good every time he's played, and he's still just uh, still off contract, and no one's taken him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I said we should have signed him like up before uh, before this season started. Like, I just you know whenever he has played, I thought he's looked pretty good. Yeah, I had a percent. And like back then, when you got Granville and. Um, who was the other guy you just mentioned? Parcel. Parcel, yeah. When those guys played, like you had McCulloch who was... Looking okay. Just Yeah, he was looking okay and he was going to be the hooker for a long time. So, you, you know, there's not you're not really going to try to keep Granville around or Parcel, but... At this point, you're just like, yeah, come on, move on, Macca. Like, you know, yeah. you're looking for the next person but, at this point. But
0: it's like the, being our hooker next year might be the easiest job in the league, how good our pack is. It's like, you know, it's like they're running what? forward, they've got a flat track for you the whole game. It would be piss easy.
1: Well, that's it. Johns and JT were salivating about playing behind this pack on the yeah. Channel 9 commentary. You probably didn't hear it, but they were like, Joe was like, man, how good would it be to play behind this? And yeah. <laughs> JT's like, Try to like shoehorn Tamalolo's name into the conversation as well because yeah. obviously he played and like, yeah, Tamalolo, you yeah, know, best forward, but
0: well, it's like our a, a pack's so a good now, pack. we won by 22 with no halves, like, <laughs> and we could have won by more,
1: <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah. yeah, playing behind, and that's if you got even some half decent halves, like they're gonna look good. You got behind this pack, they you're just gonna get a lot of opportunities, and you're gonna look good.
0: You are 100%. Um, oh, but, one thing I did notice, I did listen back to some things on Channel 9. As we mentioned last week, Fox will like, hammer Milford anyhow he puts a bomb up, ever. Just any bomb. It doesn't matter how good it is to hammer him. It was refreshing to listen to Fo- to Channel 9. And whilst Joey can be a bit of a shit commentator, he's a good analyst when so he breaks stuff down. And, and it was like, the whole game, he's like, Wow. Look at Milford's bombs. Like the whole game he's going about, you know, he's kicking him inside out of his foot, you know, he's kicking him from the inside, spiraling him outside, going on how hard that is, how amazing it is, him and JT are fawning over the the how hard it is to do and and the talent taken and work taken to kick a bomb like that. And I was like, You know what, Joey, maybe you weren't worse than Paul Green as a halfback.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um Yeah, he's got the best bomb in the league at the moment.
0: He does, and for some reason he gets hammered for doing it, but it's like, I know there's some occasions where you want to see him kick into corners, but we've seen so many times how it's created things for us. And with a team that has, like, creative outlets, and when it's a bomb like that, I'm okay to see them go up. I hate those midfield bombs, like Ben Hunt midfield bombs. And Jake Turpin yeah, midfield bombs, Nathan suck. Cleary. Yeah, Cleary ones, or the or ones we cop from Deed and while he's still learning, they're terrible because you know the fullbacks never dropping them, and they don't go up high enough that the kick chases close. But Milford ones when he when he bombs it from fifty and it, it's in the air for like ten seconds before it lands in the goal line, it's like okay, I can cop that.
1: I think probably the only kick worse than those type of midfield bombs is like every kick Mitchell Pierce did to Billy Slater in Origin. Yes, <laughs> what did he do? it's he like, did the chest anywhere. <laughs> just. On the chest and as fast and low as I can. Just, like, get it to him as soon as possible. Yeah. And, and, and Billy's, like,
0: on the run to it, so he hits it at pace. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's, like, the only kick worse than, yeah, a midfield bomb.
0: Yeah. But. I tell you what, it did, it did, like, like I don't love how we play at the moment, but, man, I'm telling you, my whole weekend was better because we won a game easily. <laughs> like, it's honestly, it was, like, a stress relief on Friday. I think any of the dumb questions because, as you know, working in footy, every time we lose a game, I get... Mitch, what's wrong with the Broncos? <laughs> you know? Friday, walk in, no one says a word, but this is great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you just, you're just walking around to like other people in the office, be like, guys, what's wrong with the Broncos? You yeah. seen the game
0: last night? I mean, what's wrong with those Bulldogs? <laughs> <laughs> now, at one, point, at one point outside of the eight, somehow. I mean, I know it's quite funny, but we had, we had five of our last eight at home, and people act like one game over 50% is like, oh, they've got all these home games. It's, like, it's not that many home games, but... We do go to Gold, the Gold Coast uh, this week. You know, that's close. And then the other away-from-home game is we're going to Townsville in a few weeks. So we don't leave Queensland until round 25. The, and that's at the Bulldogs. The draw isn't easy, but it's a draw of, like, if you want to make the finals, you're winning these games. You know, so we've, yeah. we've got um away, away at the Titans next week. Then we're at home to the Storm. That one, okay. Look, we can lose that one. Let's <laughs> still make the finals. Um, away to Cowboys, home to Penrith, home to South, home to Eels, away to the Bulldogs. So it's not an easy draw. But again, like if you don't beat you know two or three of Penrith bunnies and Eels at home, you don't deserve to be in the finals anyway. Yeah,
1: yeah that's exactly right. And like even if you did and made the finals, you're not gonna be. You just cannon fight a week one like we were last year.
0: Yeah, exactly. And the um the other obviously important part of the ladder is that you have got a beer bed on with the Knights for this year the Broncos are like I had last year. One oh, point difference it's... now. The Knights have a bit of an easier run home, but they look like a far worse team than us. Right now so who knows. Yeah, I
1: think that uh, that draw could come in big because we had well before yesterday we had a way way worse for and against. Nowadays it's kind of gone down the toilet well, a bit. But we but got
0: that 1 point, that 1 point from the draw though, you know.
1: So that uh essentially just gives us a you know, in essence a superior for and against over them. Yeah. Instead of the win. So yeah, at least I got something out of the draw last week, so. But you know, like the the Knights best season since 2013 is one point better than the Broncos' worst ever season. Yeah, so, yeah. that's
0: great. But yeah, so the, Levels. Yeah, the Knights have the Tigers this week, which they should win, but who knows. And they're away to Manly and Parramatta, who I think can both do the Knights. They host the Cowboys, and the Cowboys are looking okay. And then they're back at the Tigers, Titans, Penrith. So they've, got a, they've got pretty much the best draw of any team going home because they don't play any of the current top four. But... Good draws never really seem to help the Knights. <laughs>
1: so, All right. like, this might be the first time I cheer on the Cowboys in, like, four years.
0: Yeah, but that'll be interesting. So, that's the other... Bit. So, we've got two ladders we're trying to make. We're trying to make the top eight, and then above the Knights' ladder. So
1: I'm trying to figure out, like, what my optimal finishing is, if you like... If we finish nine, so we don't... If you didn't make the finals, then, you know, like we've talked about before, you'll get, like, more changes around the club.
0: Yeah.
1: Hopefully, better going forward. But then, Knights need to be 10th. But then it'd be funny to watch them, like, make the finals and then just get thumped. So, like, <laughs> it's just a bit hard to figure all this out exactly what what where I want everyone to finish.
0: It is. It is. But it's quite funny now, like, um, our worst-ever season... Well, we've been through this a few times now, but if, you, if, you forgot, if you've forgotten our worst-ever season is 10 wins, 13 losses, and a draw, we're looking pretty on track to meet that. <laughs> like,
1: Funnily enough, with the draw, too, With the draw,
0: yeah. that's why it's so funny. It's like, you know, we're, we're seven... Uh with seven ten and one. Sorry, seven nine and one. So it's gonna be it's gonna be line ball. <laughs> we'll see how we go from here.
1: I um, mean if you're seabold that's just what you're aiming to beat, right? Like
0: Don't be the worst ever Broncos coach. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, like if you avoid that. It's like what I said about a week or two so back, like if you win a wooden spoon, like that's with you forever, but if you win fifteenth, like
0: No one remembers.
1: Yeah, and so you just, if he, like, even avoids it by one win, it's so close to the worst season ever. But you go three years down the track, and no one's going to, like, no one's going to put those two seasons on the same level still.
0: Well, that's it. Those are two of the knocks on Thurston's legacy, actually, as you said. He hasn't got two spoons, but he's got two 15ths. And, you know, that's that's one of the things, one of the arguments my good friend Matt Bungard from Boom Rookies will say there's a reason why Thurston could never be considered the GOAT to him, is because of those seasons. And, I mean, 2010, he only didn't get the spoon because of the um the cap suspension for the for the Storm. They won five games all year. So, yeah, but no one remembers those because it's 15th.
1: <laughs> he won a spoon at the Bulldogs. Yeah, I mean, does that really count? <laughs> no, but, like, if... You can't give him two over salary caps, but you can give him one of no, them because he, he, did, he either, the,
0: did he get the Bulldogs spoon? Yeah. I oh, did? Oh, yeah, no, he did. He was there that year.
1: So, you... You can't give him both between the Bulldogs and the Storm, but you can either give him the one he earned at the Bulldogs with the salary cap, or yeah. the one that the Storm stole off him because of the salary cap. Like, I'm more yeah. inclined to give him the Cowboys one because, like, they, deserve that they one. lost they lost the least amount of games. That's what that is.
0: Yeah, I mean that's it. They 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 that spoon. And the, and the other year, I can't remember like 2008. I don't know if they were like what how how they not finish last. Ah. Is it the good old Titans? Is it? No, that's this year's ladder. only took two thousand eight ladder. One sec. Who finished below them? Ah, uh-huh, the Bulldogs. For and against, they didn't come. They didn't get the spoon on. Perfect.
1: Right <laughs> <laughs> like people talk about JT being the best ever, and I legitimately don't know if he'd be in my top ten. Like, I just, I. There's so many other better players.
0: He might be... Like, I do agree with that term of him being like one of the best ever competitors. But it's not like it was always a positive. <laughs> you know? Like the fact, like last year, it was actually a negative on that team when he couldn't let go. Yeah. So that's it. So it's not like it's always a positive. So when he's playing bad, your team goes down with him. But yeah, he's one of those players that if he played for Brisbane, as we know, if he played for Brisbane and had those seasons when the team bottomed out like that, you'd hear about them all the time.
1: Oh absolutely, yeah,
0: He only has just over a better fifty than a fifty percent win record for his career, you know, that's just not good enough compared to some of the other guys like but yeah, you'd hear about those all the time uh someone else but definitely he had when he's you know he had periods of his of his career when he was the best player in the competition, but he'd have like three or four year brackets of that, and then he would be shithouse for the Cowboys in grade and Graydon origin. <laughs>
1: It's like it's not a surprise to me that in 2014, when Cronk goes out of Origin, we lose Origin because JT can't carry the team. Like the rest of that team is still full of like mm. Hall of Fame caliber players, and he couldn't beat Trent Hodgkinson. Good on you, mate. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah.
0: But that's like, it. and
1: then JT misses Origin, and Cooper Cronk still wins. Like, Cooper Cronk was better than JT. Lockie is better than JT. Cam Smith, like yep. Billy Slater, Greg Inglis, they're all better. Andrew Johns is better than him. Like. You can, I can. You can easily get to ten people if you sit down and have a think about it.
0: Well, JT's one of those funnier ones that he was. That like, people were trying to hail him the goat ages ago. Like any time he had a good game, and like it, people were just trying to like Phil Gould loved him. So that's part of the, the narrative as well. Like once you get loved by prominent media members, it helps. But yeah, Phil, Phil Gould, Gould had to, to. Yeah, Phil Gould he, tried to nail him the goat like five times.
1: Yeah, well, Phil Gould had to love him because he was trying to get him to come play for Penrith. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah.
0: That was classic Phil Gould hey, how he's like tried to sign JT on the biggest deal ever, over a million bucks a year, and then after he didn't sign, Phil Gould ever since has now said no players worth a million dollars. Only the one I wanted to get's worth a million dollars.
1: Classic, classic Phil.
0: Anyway, let's move on. It was um it's good to get a win, uh, as you said, Titans next week. We'll see what they like today with their new coach bounce back, but it could be an interesting game down at Seabus cause either way they seem to try and turn up for us, but we'll we'll get to that next
1: week. Um, well, that was going to be my recommendation station, was to actually not watch that game. But it's starting, <laughs> it's starting now, so it's a bit late for that recommendation.
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um,
1: Questions? I've got, yeah, I've got a few here. I'll just reload these pages to make sure. That, while that's happening, do you have a recommendation?
0: Okay, we've got a recommendation station. Okay, my recommendation is, and this is one, it's through a grid of teeth, but this week's episode of the Maddie Johns podcast I don't like recommending the Matty Johns podcast, but it's actually not too bad because they don't talk like they're on TV. But um, I've been lucky through my experience working in in rugby league the last four or five years is that for about two years I had a relationship with Brett Finch and what he was doing at that time. And it's something the Storm do. They they pay these, you know, former players or guys who want to coach whatever, they pay them as consultants, but they don't talk to them, if you get me, because what they want throughout the year. They want an outside opinion. So what they do all year is they send... Finch has to send, like, a report every week or two down to to Bel, down to Frank Panesi, the full manager, down at the Storm, and then they share it internally. But they don't ever hear if they like the report or not. They don't ever hear what they took from it, but they just want, they want a thir, another set of eyes on it. They do this with a few players. But anyway, Finch was doing that, and for for we provide the team to, like, you know, all the code for the games, like, all the stats for the games and the vision and whatever. But Finch is so bad with computers, he didn't want to set up the network at home and download everything every week. So what he used to do is he'd just come into our office, drop his laptop off, we'd upload you know, the, all the vision of NRL games from that weekend, and all the game code or whatever, and then he'd come in the next day and pick it up. But he'd spend every time, because this is like when he just come back out of rehab, and you didn't really have a job, you are just trying to get a crack in a fox or whatever as well, but he'd spend all of his time, you know, maybe an hour in the office talking to me and one of the other guys there each time. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty rare that a lot of guys who were in footy, there's a lot of nice people, but a lot of people haven't got time for you, but... I, through that time he was really open on to me and my mate there about his post-career struggles his in-career struggles and you know all that kind of stuff and this podcast is good because it's like one of the first times I've actually heard the person I met speak publicly because the media persona is different so um good podcast so yeah it's Matty John interviewing Brett Finch they talk about his career talk about his struggles post-career and yeah it's, it's very rare you get to you know see that side of a football player so go check that out
1: yeah I um My phone doesn't take headphones anymore, so my podcast listening has gone down the drain. What do you mean it doesn't take headphones anymore? (laughs) Well, it's a Google Pixel, so it's like USB-C headphones. Yeah. And the port just doesn't work anymore, except the only thing it works with is my charger. Have you cleaned it out, the port? Of course, I cleaned it out.
0: Oh, I know you're a good with tech, but I just wanted to check. Sometimes you don't. Someone <laughs> does ask the basic question, like "shut" is great with tech, right? He had the same problem. Didn't clean his thing out. He did all the other things. <laughs> no, I,
1: uh, yeah, I've cleaned it out. It just, uh, it's just a like. It will work if I'm not moving around. Like if it's sitting on a desk and like don't bump it, yeah. it'll work. But as soon as you bump it, you know how like headphones cut off if you yeah. pull it out. So it does that. But so if you're walking around, like I am at work. You can listen for like four seconds before you've got to stop, plug it back in.
0: Bluetooth start. headphones, baby. I don't yeah, even, I do I, got to get some Bluetooth that's headphones. That's what I have. I haven't used plug-in headphones in years. I've got a Pixel as well. But the reason why I start using plug-ins is because like, I listen to like... I don't know. If, if you ever follow me on Twitter, every time that Spotify thing comes around, I'm like you know, tripling everyone else's numbers. I don't know. I didn't realize I listened to so much music till that started coming out. But I'm the kind of person like... I have my headphones on. If I'm at home or in the house, they're on all day. Whether it be listening to a podcast, listening to music or whatever. But I went to Bluetooth because the problem I used to have is like, I'd be cooking in the kitchen and my old house had these old doorknobs and every 20, 20 minutes I'd turn and spit and rip my headphones out of my phone. <laughs> and all I ended up doing was like fucking the headphones up, the cord, and then, you know, also pulling my phone in my pocket and throwing it across the room sometimes. But Bluetooth where it's at. Cord free, mate.
1: Yeah, um, right. Well, I've got a recommendation, a real one, yeah. not just to not watch the Titans game. But if anybody is into computer games, I've been playing one lately called For the King. Um, for the King, let
0: me Google this for you talking.
1: It's on, I think it's on all the platforms, um, but it's like a turn based hex crawl roguelike game. If people know what those are, then, well, they're in gaming, they know what they are. But yeah, it's pretty good fun. Um, it's kind of plays similar to like a a D&D sort of game so like you know explore around the map you have turn based combats it's got like a dice rolling mechanic type of thing it's a pretty good fun game though Emily and I have been playing a lot
0: oh it's mate, it's good value too I'm looking on here what's like 30 bucks Australian
1: yeah I think yeah it's pretty what's cheap it's so, yeah,
0: 28 um, here but yeah right. it's just
1: like a little, little indie game it's good fun I've, yeah I've definitely got my value out of it
0: yeah, I've, just, I've tried to start getting into indie games more because I realise, like, a lot of the time they actually are just better than the big studio games, but the fact, again, they cost, like, 20 bucks.
1: Yeah, they're know? so cheap. And especially, like, I've got... I went looking for uh, compressed air the other day to clean my computer. Yeah. And so looking through all my boxes downstairs, I found an old emulator machine I had. Yeah. Um I got built, and so I was like... Because I've got Mac, like, Mac everything. And so yeah. I was like, oh... So I pull this out and I'm going to talk to my mate and try to get it working to run Steam on it because there's heaps of indie games on Steam that I want to play, but I've never, like they're PC only, not Mac. Yeah. And um, so yeah, so I will get that going because even those games you get, they're even cheaper than like twenty bucks. You can get them five, ten bucks, and sometimes on Steam sales, like for a couple of dollars, like it's yeah. it's great value for gaming.
0: I do hate Steam as a platform itself. <laughs>
1: but, yeah, but you know. it's the best. It's the it best. It is the best.
0: One. It, I find the platform just be buggy and annoying sometimes, but what what can you do? But like yeah, I'm trying to get because I've got uh a, like a two in one laptop tablet thing, and it might be the it was only like 300 bucks. It was down a couple hundred bucks. It's uh at JB and Frankie recommended it to me. One of the best purchases that I've ever made because like I don't like iPads and stuff. They annoy me. It's just a big phone. It's like why well, like, why have I got this? But now yeah. having like a laptop the size of an iPad is the best thing ever. But now it's like, on the train to work, I get a train for like an hour and a half. I'm playing a game on Steam every time. It's like, why not?
1: It's Football great. manager, mate.
0: Oh, no, I'm not going to get back into that. I'm playing, I'm actually playing, <laughs>
1: cri-
0: here's, here's one, I'm playing the cricket version, mate. Cricket Captain, I'm playing. I've been, I've been uh, that one's been around for like 10 years. It's really basic. It hasn't really changed much in 10 years, but again, it's like 20 bucks. That's how I'm playing in the way to and from work currently. That's all right. I think
1: there was, um... This is a year or so back when I was super into all the management games. There was an NFL one coming out that looked pretty good, but it was still like a year or two away. I might have to look into that and see what yeah. it's up to. Oh,
0: yeah, I'm into a few of them, but uh, I like management games too, just in general, because it's one of those things you can do if you're not paying full attention. Perfect for a train. I can't be playing like an actual game on the train.
1: You're, um, you're not really a baseball fan, are you?
0: No, but again, simula- mate, management games, I'll do anything.
1: <laughs> well, if you want another one, the Out of the Park series for baseball is probably the best management game ever. Like I think I
0: have this down, one at least downloaded, but I haven't played it yet on my computer.
1: It's, uh, I played for a little bit, but that is just a ridiculous level of management in that game.
0: Mate, it's half-priced right now on Steam. <laughs> well, like, there you go like recommendation no, station
1: that's, uh, that's up there like it'd be above Football Manager for like quality of game
0: oh well I'm looking at yeah that's, that's my problem though the management games I won't like a lot of them are about 50-60 bucks I just refuse to spend that much on one of them that's not Football Manager so that's yeah. like this one on sale now though 25 bucks that's, that might be an investment but yeah, if a Football Manager mate, I'm never playing that game again because I used to love it but that's the problem it's like it was like my heroine I'd be like oh, oh for I'll, sure yeah like all through uni because so I had my laptop I never did I never really went to uni when I went every single class I played football manager every lecture I had to go to I played football manager I played it on the way to I played it at lunch like addicted and then once I started looking up the hours I played on steam I was like oh my god this is embarrassing
1: <laughs> yeah it's uh that's why places hide those numbers they don't want they don't want you to see
0: yeah, Steam's a funny one too because I've got, again, if you get someone who likes buying Steam's things on special, there'll be so many games people scroll through, you know, one hour of play because they bought all this bundle and they never played them. It's like, it's just funny how they show it so easily.
1: Yeah, that was, I had, my old Steam account had over 500 games and I wouldn't have barely played most of them. Like, you get, you know, a humble bundle, you get like 13 games and you want to play one of them. Yeah. And I um I ended up just selling it to my brother for like, got a bit back for it, so that was all right.
0: This For the King looks all right, mate. I might give her a whirl. looks Looks all right. Probably I'd like watch it. Probably watch some YouTube videos before I download it, though. I'm one of those people.
1: Um, if you do, let me know because we can play also like online with each other.
0: Yeah, sweet. Well, we haven't missing our online connection since we stopped playing Fortnite. We were like, we were really early on Fortnite, but we were there for like a month.
1: <laughs> we were there before it got like crappy. <laughs>
0: we were there before like it was really that popular, and then like we were there for like a month or two, playing every night, and then uh. I can't remember what came out. So while the game came out, we all went off and played single player and never came back.
1: <laughs> yeah, that seems... What was it? I can't I remember.
0: It. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's go hit those questions.
1: Yeah, righto. Uh, over on Facebook from Thomas, he said, considering how well TPJ is playing on the edge, I think most fans would keep him in the back row. But what would that mean for our forward rotation with when Gillette comes back?
0: Yeah, look, If okay, if, if it's a serious, serious consideration of keeping Pango on the edge, I don't think we can get over benching Gillette. So I think it's one of those cases that like it'll just have to be Glenn Gornski or to the bench as well, and Fafida keeps playing off the bench. But you can at least if you play Pangai on the edge, you can still pretty, pretty much cop 30 minutes of Fafida on the edge if So Fafida comes on and Pangai goes middle or similar. I don't want to see Gillette in the middle. They tried it. It's disgraceful. <laughs> like, And they're going to play him. So I just think that's the best way to keep him on the edge currently this year.
1: Uh, from David, he said, I think the fact that Boyd is up his game playing at five eight, is enough reason to keep him there until he retires. The team certainly looked sharper, but it was only Canterbury, so don't get too excited. Seguiaro helped us put them to the sword, so my question is, what happens when Deirdre returns, and where does Turpin go? Seems to me we need Turpin and Seguiaro, but not McCulloch.
0: I agree with that, that statement, but I do think when Turpin returns, we'd Turpin to the bench and M- out. And that's why my fear is, like, well, I can't predict this team to be good anymore coming forward, because I do feel like it's just going to go back to what it was. But, uh, oh, yeah, the question about Boyd, it's like, it's okay to hide him. it looks okay now, but wait till we need a playmaker to stand up. Well, yeah. people will just blame Milford, but it's like, you know, well, let's see what happens when we play the Storm in a couple of weeks. Let's not judge his performance there based on Playing the Knights, even though we lost, you know, playing the Knights, playing the Warriors last week, and the Bulldogs this week. Let's let's wait till we play a good team. And we get found out for not having halves.
1: Um. Yeah. Well, Ben said, should Boyd continue at five eight?
0: This year, yes, but um, I I just hope that he should be at the club next year.
1: Yeah, I think this year it's the best way to try to hide him, keep him yeah. inside, and like he's not doing a whole heap. Um yeah. From Michael, he said, don't want to be negative when we're actually winning, but seeing you, but seeing you got your guys' opinion. Sorry, I cannot read. Seeing your guys' opinion, it looks like Milford might as well be number six as he is doing everything the 5 8 should be doing. I don't see what Boyd is doing as a 5 8 except the same boring plays and dummy half runs.
0: Hey, think, this guy gets it.
1: <laughs> I think Milford will be awesome in both positions. I just don't see the point for the team in our best interest with the current setup.
0: Yeah, this is why it's not a thing for the future. You've nailed it. It's like Milford is returning kicks, which is better than Boyd was, which is nice. But then. The structures are really weird because it's like the again the the Darius Boyd sweep play. If if Milford's a fullback, who's supposed to be the one throwing the last pass?
1: Yeah, Milford. Like <laughs> the fullback plays more like the old style five eight, where you're the second receiver. But yeah, that's what, like in that play then Boyd was the fullback in that play, and Milford was the five eight.
0: Yeah, and then all Dar- as you said, Darius is doing more f- more dummy half runs. He is. So that's fair credit there, defending, but. He's not doing anything else. He's not creating or, 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 you know, or steering the team around. He's just standing on the left edge. And Milford's going everywhere. But it's like, in terms of Milford's actual impact throughout a full set, whilst he looks better at the start of a set, now it's like he's just floating around like, where do I go? Am I going in first receiver? Am I supporting? Am I fullback? It's like, there's a reason why there's, you know, four players who play in the spine for every team. If a team could get away with playing a back roller in one of the halves and having one player run it all, they'd do it. But you can't, so that's like, and that's what Boyd kind of is doing, right? He's just playing like it's someone just in there, plugged in, defending and doing dummy half runs. But it's not a, it's not a long term strategy unless his play drastically increases. So, I just doubt it will.
1: Uh, from Jamie, he said Glenn should finish the year in centre, which I think I would probably agree with if it keeps him out of second row.
0: Well, that's it. I mean, I hate Glenn in the centres. But Coach was so bad there. Shibasaki was so bad there. And it looks like they're not going to play Parisi. I'll, again, I'll cop the next six weeks of Glenn in the Senators if it keeps him out of the back row.
1: And from Sylvia, in all caps, she said, tell them to keep going, love them, win or lose, and have we signed Turpin?
0: <laughs> all good, but we don't, the good comment last one, we don't know. Hopefully signing soon.
1: Yeah, hopefully it's not too far off. Righto, uh, i got to start putting these out earlier because there's never too many comments, but a couple here on Twitter from nathan chip twenty two solid dig from the lads, but uh, got the job done wasn't spectacular, but at least playing with a bit of respect for the jersey would have been nice to slot most of the conversions though any reason why Osako isn't kicking
0: I think like Osako got dropped, stags are kicking him, I think that's why stags is kicking, but it's quite obvious Osako's a better kicker than him
1: yeah it, we've always been big on Osako kicking yeah. Uh, from offsport matters, what is the realistic signing for the Broncos that you would get excited for in 2020? These Darius articles have got me depressed that next year will be much more of the same.
0: Okay, that's realistic. Hey, well, I, I don't know now. <laughs> like I said, I mentioned the forward then that I'd like to get, but who have we got off? Who's off contract around the league? I'm have a quick squeeze. I mean, there's not really anybody that I really want <laughs> looking around um like again my, my signings at this point are like my, my would be addition by subtraction removing some players and letting well, them go well kind of
1: the, the big spots you want to look at is a fullback like long term deciding what you yeah. want whether that's Melford and so then you need a half um, oh if
0: you're asking me yeah it's Valentine Holmes to play fullback
1: yeah so you need a fullback there which well you could either go Holmes or even like if you decided Asako was your fullback yeah um you could go there but even there like if you went soccer, you don't have to bring anyone in um but then also like hooker we've already got the people there to play hooker you, like get Turpin and is only this year is he yeah Yeah, so sign him up for another year see how that goes like that's that's an all right option for me for playing hooker i like our forwards um jack bird back i don't think our backs are like super terrible like Especially with, like, you got Parisi and stuff there. I don't think you need to really touch much there. I, like, mm. I don't know. Maybe it's just me overrating players at our club, but I, I we've never really thought this squad was terrible. No,
0: it's just playing terrible.
1: Yeah. I, And I just think if you fix, like, if you got a proper, you fix your, your you find your solution for fullback and hooker, you set that up. I think you're good there.
0: Yeah, that's it. Like, I mean, I got asked by a Tigers fan the other day who would I sign for them, and I ended up with a way too long list of like thirty players in reserve grade. I think deserve a chance, but like, that's the difference is that I think we, I don't think we need much. Like, I don't think we need to give more chances. We have those guys who are in there young now and playing. It's just there's a couple of positions as you mentioned. You know, six one or hooker, whatever we figure out with one and six, and who plays hooker. Those are the big questions. But you know, if we end up, are not going to happen. But if we end up with like a Val Holmes at fullback, I do a bit of what um. As we know, you know, we did this with Hodges in the career, but also do a bit what the Roosters did with Minichella and Tua share is that on quite a few attacking sets, I'd actually put Val Holmes on the right wing because I'd let him... He's a much better finisher, you know? Get that out of him, but then Val Holmes can do the rest of the work across, you know, pushing up to the middle most of the field, uh, you know, returning the kicks at fullback, whatever. But then when we get down to the goal line, he can go on the right wing sometimes and the Saka can float to fullback. That's what I would do.
1: Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, from Pythago NRL. Should we take our next Thursday night Spoon Bowl to Redcliffe or just pipe in more crowd noise to Suncorp?
0: Yeah. Okay, so obviously, I think we're out of the Spoon Bowl now, which is good. We're, we're, I mean, the Titans are now currently ahead of the storm and, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Only, it's only six, three minutes in. But uh, I think we're out of the Spoon Bowl now. But isn't it depressing that I haven't been there for it. I've been there... like You said you were there Magic Round pumping a crowd noise for other teams, but it's got to the point now that pumping a crowd noise for Broncos games, apparently.
1: Yeah, I've not been there for just a Broncos game. Um, I didn't yeah. hear it for all the games, even at Magic Round, but there was definitely, like... You could notice it because, like, they'd say a try was scored. It was really obvious in the Bulldogs Nights game. They'd score a try, and like the crowd cheer, blah, blah blah, and then like thirty seconds later, when you know the whole crowd dies down, and then there would be like all this noise coming out, like this big applause and like cheering, and it's like, I man, no one's no one's up cheering now. Like that was when it was the most obvious. Was in that game.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I knocked South for it because I'd go to some of those games at ANZ with like eight thousand there, and they'd start a South Sydney chant over the PA, but it was obviously a sound noise they'd recorded. It's like, well, I, I, no one's singing this chant
1: because <laughs> <laughs> I can see all the people. Yeah, I know. no one's singing it. Yeah. Um, from Corey Goats, he said, "What's the odds of Seeb's playing Jellett and Glenn instead of the obvious better combo of Fafita and TBJ?"
0: I'd give it like a dollar twenty, maybe a dollar ten. Those well, two.
1: Uh Mish Mr. Underscore triple eight replied with a dollar seven.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think the only chance is that maybe he does keep Glenn in the centres for another week or two. But I d like, it like maybe that'll keep probably Pangai starting. But I do think your boy Corey Goats, I think your boy um is back to the bench.
1: Um, from GM Walker underscore, he said, Paddy Garrigan has started to look a better player over the last few weeks and Flegler seems entrenched as a hard-working middle. Was the o re-signing premature? He seems like an end-of-bench player, potentially, in
0: 2020. No, Joe, signing wasn't premature. I do think, I think we've said this before on this podcast, I do think he's, like, our f- fourth or fifth best middle. But you say that, but then you go watch Origin, and as Queensland's best forward in the middle of the last game. <laughs> like, it's not that he's bad, it's that we just have so many better ones.
1: But also, if he's your fourth best middle, he is the best in the comp at the f- at your fourth middle. Like,
0: yeah, it's perfect. And then maybe yeah, his it next contract's time, to let him go. But like as it stands now, everyone is signed up. It's not like he's soaking up, you know, the money of a of a Painhas or a Carrigan or similar. It's like maybe next contract he might be, but I'm ha- that's one of those ones. There was no reason to move him on. He's good enough, and he's you know decent for us. He took okay money. Perfect.
1: Uh, from Mr underscore s triple eight, he said, "Is it worth the six hour trip to the Gold Coast next week?
0: No. Yeah, I would be <laughs> saying no. No, it's not. I have no regrets about not travelling to Newcastle to watch them. I mean, obviously, I'm confident we beat the Titans next week, but they're just not an entertaining team. Oh, mate, Titans up twelve nil. We should probably finish this podcast and go watch them playing <laughs> the storm.
1: Uh, last question here, then, from not Bob Sakamano. Yeah." I really butchered that, but he said, Boyd running the ball from fullback like a cannonball was my highlight. I still rate him amongst our best thoughts.
0: Bob Sacamano, huh? That's who he is. Um, no, that was a fun run back. When he went to that fullback for about 10 minutes, and he actually started running the ball, but no, I still rate him amongst our worst. <laughs>
1: yeah, he's, he's not doing much to improve my thoughts on him.
0: Yeah. Okay, let's get out of here. Let's go watch this bloody Storm Titans game.
1: Righto. Catch up.
0: Say <laughs> that, everyone. We're the Broncos, the mighty Broncos We keep fighting every second till the end Where the the Broncos, the greatest team on earth we the high-